Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree. And aside from hosting this fabulous podcast on the regular, I am also the host of Cam4's Happy Hour Game Show. That's a weekly broadcast that happens on Cam4 Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. And it's exactly what it sounds like. An absolutely silly, smutty, ridiculous good time where I host a handful of really talented Cam4 broadcasters uh, and take them through a series of games, challenges, just general ridiculousness, all for your viewing pleasure. Uh, my greatest thrill in doing it week after week is actually getting to meet so many members of this fascinating community. Um, one person in particular, who has become a very near and dear friend to me is actually today's special guest. This is somebody who has really, really crafted a special place for herself in the camming industry and been smart about her decisions along the way. I'm constantly inspired by uh, today's special guest. Please help me welcome the sensational Pillow Princess. Absolute thrill. Welcome to Licked and Loaded Pillow Princess. Thank you for having me, Laura. It's an honor to be here. It's so cool. I mean, this is a totally different speed than how you and I usually get to interact because, you know, it's it's like Cam Force Happy Hour that I see you on, which is such an insane broadcast to do. This is so nice to be at this speed. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know, like having a one on one conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's long overdue. I'll say that much. It's, oh, this is, I have felt a connection to you since the very beginning. I was like, this is somebody who is just so compelling. You're so exciting whenever you're on camera, even if it is for the sake of a performance or whether we're like backstage before the broadcast goes live, you're just wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> I would say the same thing about you. Like you definitely bring this bubbliness and this energy that like, as a performer, I immediately latch on to, but then as a person, just generally appreciate, you know? I mean, one could say it's because we're doing something we love. I mean, I, maybe I'm speaking just for myself, but I would imagine you love what you do. Yes, especially half the hours because they're just like, they're such a good vibe, having so many other people in the room to play off of and, and to play with erotic dynamics with is always just- I know. And I'm so happy that, you know, Cam4, uh, took this little idea of happy hour and we've run with this for like, I think we've passed a year now, but it's introduced me to so many incredible people on the platform. You know, some people find it very intimidating when you enter a cam platform and you're like, I don't even know how to begin to navigate this because it's just a bunch of screens. I don't know what these people and these broadcasters do, what their show is about. I don't know where to start. And so Cam4 Happy Hour, as much as it is a game show, it's this opportunity to, you know, maybe get to know these broadcasters and, and hone in on people that might be perfectly suited to you as a viewer. Mm -hmm. I do yeah. love that. I love it. Was Cam4 your first venture into camming? It sure was. It sure was. I Googled how to be a cam girl and cam four came up and I went, great, solid. Here we go. Um, and how long ago was that? Uh, summer of 2019. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, time has passed, but still like that's, that's still a relatively new aspect of your life. When you, when you were looking to get into this business, was there a game plan? Oh God, Laura, it was, <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, there was not a game plan. Um, so I first got interested in sex work because one of my very best friends who I've known literally my entire life since we were little babies mm. since we were barely able to speak one of my best friends like has now gone into sex work full-time she does a really fantastic job um, and she would just talk to me about it on the phone and I was so interested because I've always been a sexual person um, and I also always love talking about sex and hearing other people's perspectives and um, and so she would talk to me about it all the time and once she said you know, I'm just rubbing my pussy all day. Anyway, I might as well get paid to do this. And I laughed because I was like, yeah, I mean, it's all I do. (laughs) Also rub my pussy. So, um, and then there was kind of a catastrophe. I definitely got into sex work initially out of survival. I definitely needed to make some money fast. And I looked at my options and sex work was like the most immediate and most appealing of those options and so I just got on cam four one day with my really shitty laptop camera really grainy um and I had no idea what to do so I just took off all my clothes and fucked myself for a long time and just hoped that some tokens would come in I got like you know two tokens but like 200 viewers because I'm just you know I was completely naive I didn't really understand the whole negotiating thing, tip menu thing, the game that now I've gotten very good at. Um, Initially, I just, I will admit, I also just started really getting off on being watched. I was like, wow, this is hot. Um, And so even though I didn't make a whole lot that first show, I had a really good time. Um, So it was a decent like break into the industry. Yeah. And I love that it starts with you being like, I'm a sexual person and I always have been, you know, because a lot of us aren't wired that way. A lot of the world is wired to have a very different opinion of sexuality. So have you done like the investigative backtracking to see where or what made you this sexual person because that always fascinates me right like is it in our upbringing or is it in um maybe our first sexual experiences like how on earth does one become so comfortable in their sexuality um i definitely think for me it was a a kind of an irony of my upbringing um i was raised in a like conservative religious family the youngest, you know, very, sexuality was a very like negative thing. Um, my purity, my virginity was something that my my brothers had to protect. And it just, it was super weird. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy is whack. And <laughs> so I just grew up with those very kind of regressive ideas about purity and virginity and women's sexuality just generally being a scary thing. Hmm. And that discourse never matched the way that like my body felt the way, you know, I like to masturbate, for example. And I'd be like, how is this a bad thing? This feels like a really good thing. Yeah. Perplexing. And and I kept having to go confess all of my sexual sins every single week. And I'm just like, this is getting exhausting. Like I've got so many sins all the time. 
(laughs) And I think that like some, I, I think that the irony of like raising children in like repressive religious environments is oftentimes they, they bounce back kind of even more forcefully. And so I definitely had very rebellious teenage years, um, in some ways negative and in some ways positive looking back. Um, but once I really like found my sexuality and realized I was queer as well, that was like a huge part of it, Hmm. um, was realizing like, oh my God, I love women. I want to kiss women. And this is, this is not something I can pray away. This is innate to my being. Mm. Um, and, and no, no God could ever change that. That's when I really was able to claim my sexuality. Um, probably around the time I was like 18 or 19 and just be like, yeah, no, actually sex is a great thing. Sexual expression is a great thing. Um, and the more we repress and the more we kind of don't talk about sex and sexual safety um, and all of those things, the more negative consequences come from it, you know, like unwanted pregnancies or even sexual violence, I think, can be a result of repression and that discourse not being more yeah. smoothly talked about. And so I see how deeply meaningful all of that is. I know that it is taboo. I know that some people really shy away from me because they're like, well, she's a freak. And I'm like, damn right. And I just, I never want other freaks to feel alone or wrong. And that's, that's something that you absolutely can take a stand on because look, it's one thing to make this discovery about yourself. Hey, I have a really um, fascinating and, and hungry relationship with sexuality. I'm curious about it. I like to uh, interact with it. It's another thing to then adopt that philosophy into your mental headspace. But then you have to defend it as a person that's out there interacting with the world. So what does that look like in your, especially in your early years? Oh, it was, it was very difficult. Um, I definitely was getting a lot of responses trying to control me, my parents, older siblings, the church, most of all. Yeah. And it was just the more they tried to control me, the more I wanted to, to break the rules. The worst thing you can do is make sex taboo, because like, that just makes it so much more appealing. I know. Um, <laughs> As if no one's learned that by now, right? Come on, guys! <laughs> It's like so if you put it out of reach, I am gonna dislocate something to grab it. Okay, like Absolutely. that's what we do. Yeah, we just it's a it's it's an instinct, it's a drive, and so and I and I think that there's just no reason for sexuality to be so out of reach. Yeah, um, and so I definitely got some negative responses. There were some years there where my relationship with my parents was potentially ending always, mm. um, and fortunately, it's kind of come back from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I just had a lot of people trying to control me until I was able to find my independence as just an adult, you know, once I was able to move out of that space, once I was able to start graduate school, once Mm -hmm. I began my fantastic relationship with uh, my fiance, who I'm still with now, um, that was when I was finally able to just take a deep breath and kind of deconstruct the negative messages that I've been taught and realize, okay, here's why those negative messages are factually incorrect. Yeah. Um, That's because you have to build build this for yourself. You know, no one, no one else, 
will do it. I mean, you start to find community along the way, but like you, you had to build this for yourself, which is where the confidence comes from. Cause it's something that you have sought out, defended on your own and, uh, and, and put up the security around, you know? Totally. Yes. I love that. And, and I mean, I could literally spend three hours making this about, tell me about what brought you to this point. And I would love to, but there's also this like burning question that I've never asked you. Pillow princess. It's it's obscure and strange enough a handle that it's unforgettable. So like where does picking the name Pillow Princess come from and what is it what does it mean? Oh god, thank you. <laughs> what a good question. Um it it was kind of when I was just setting up my cam account, I just wanted to think of something clever. And that was sort of the first name that I reached for. Um, for those who don't know, in LGBT communities, pillow princess usually signifies a person, a, a femme person who just wants to lay back and have everything done for them. They just want to, they just want to be a lazy bottom. They just want to get eaten out. They're not going to eat you out back. Like they're just, they're a pillow princess. They're a princess of the pillows. And it's kind of a derogatory term. However, as a sex worker, I really like that vibe. I'm going to lay back. I'm going to be pleasured and y'all are going to just pay for it. And yeah. I, I kind of like the expectation that it sets up. However, um, it is pretty somewhat obscure. Like lesbians always know when they come yeah. in the room, they're like, oh, we see you pillow princess. But yeah, I have to explain it to the heteros. Oh, so, all the time. Yeah, there's oh. there's there's a, a learning, there's a gap and we're in a learning curve right now. And I, it's one of the big discussions I keep having with, you know, my more vanilla or civilian friendships. It's like the terminology is just, it's too much. And how do I, so I actually know a lot of people that are starting to do more uh, like gender sensitivity training just for their own education. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Like I get it. There's, there's a lot of change in the air and that's, you know, part of it, you know, being a responsible human today is to, you know, respectfully know what you need to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plus then you get to, you know, even if you're not part of that community, you can, you can sort of eavesdrop. Yeah. You can understand the jokes. You can understand what my <laughs> handle means. And um, yeah. And I think that like, yeah, I, I invite that. I totally invite that. Yeah. So, so when, when you're on cam, uh, what would you say makes your show different than anyone else's? What are you inviting people to see in your room? I want them to really catch a vibe. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel relaxed. I'm usually not a very fast paced show. It's not like happy hour where there's bells and whistles. I know, literally. Although that shit is really fun. I do enjoy that in small quantity. Um, but mostly I like to put on some like lo-fi hip hop music, maybe something jazzy, something kind of relaxing. And then I'll do things like naked yoga. Mm -hmm. um, or I'll just kind of be in my studio and lean back on my bed and sort of sensually touch myself. There's not a lot of dialogue unless, unless the audience kind of warrants that. Um, because I want like, I want people to sort of find me mysterious, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I mean, that's so irresistible, right? Mystery is just one of those great seductive uh, opportunities we have is that little air of mystery. Mm -hmm. a little bit of mystery I also love like eye contact 
I've got a lot of facial expression always. Mm -hmm. uh, and I find that my eyes are very expressive. Yes, so. they are. I've seen you in our blowjob rounds. And I'm like, <laughs> the way that you come up and frame yourself, like, you know what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. So what do you know about your viewers? What do you know about your fan base? What kind of people are these? Listen, I've been watching mainstream pornography since too young of an age that I will not dare mention. <laughs> Um, and, so, and so I have been sort of like, I don't want to say indoctrinated because that's like a very negative term that suggests I don't have any like control, but like I have been educated, I guess, on like what mainstream pornography looks like, what, what that attracts. Um, and so when I first started doing this work, I definitely leaned a lot more into the femme side of me a little bit more into the almost straight passing side mm -hmm. of me. I thought that I needed to do that in order to like imitate how girls on mainstream pornography are portrayed. Mm -hmm. And I so quickly realized that, first of all, it feels terrible. It's not mm -hmm. me, it's, it's like putting on clothes that don't fit me, it's just wrong for me. Um, and then secondly, that, that so many audience members are looking for something more that's why they're on cam. That's that's not that's why they're not on a mainstream porn site is because they want a more human interaction. They want they want to be part of your world. Um, and realizing that was almost intimidating because then I was like, oh, does that mean I have to be my genuine self a little bit? Yeah. And I do. Um, and I feel like every year I'm in the industry, I get more and more in touch with like a genuine self that is part of my performer persona. Yeah, that authentic uh, availability. That's actually a challenging thing to get comfortable with, especially when you know, you're in front of an audience that you can't see, you you can't you can't hear them directly. Um, so yeah, having that authentic appeal, it is also the key to so much success, right? It's like your uniqueness, your brandability, it's so easy to provide for when it comes from an authentic place as opposed to a script that you need to consider like a narrative for and a new character arc like authenticity and revealing that is the key in so many people's success stories on in in the cam world but it's also you know you have to warm up to that you have to get it to that point mm -hmm. yeah and and still maintain your armor too yeah it's it's this kind of balance of like uh, inviting emotional vulnerability. Cause like, I don't want to be super emotionally vulnerable, like on cam or to my clients. Cause I don't want to ask them to like do labor for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do want to be open enough to invite them to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think that like one of the most joyous things about, about like being in the industry the last two years has been um, like getting to know people's secrets, getting to be that person they confide in about their kinks that they haven't told anyone in right. 20 years that they have. Right. Um, or even strangely, I've processed a lot of grief with people. Yeah. And that's a huge part of, of camming and the exchange of broadcaster to viewer that much of the public who doesn't interact with our industry that they, they don't they don't understand and no matter how many times we say it whether it's a testimonial from a viewer or it's from us who are on cam doing it they still just can't get it in their heads but you do have to be cautious 
with how much of that you take on. I mean, sure, you can clock in and out nine to five, but you know, is there is there a way that you keep your environment and your experience safe and imbalanced so that you're not just taking on people's toxins or people's um, negative experiences nonstop? <laughs> a good therapist, Laura, a yeah. really good therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, definitely like learning how to negotiate boundaries has mm. been something I've really been leaning into this year. It's actually like something I'm focusing on right now, even because I think I could be better at it even than I am. Um, because I do like, I'm, I'm terribly kind. I just, uh-huh. Once I'm invested in a person and once I care, like I really do genuinely care. Um, and that's, that's fine. As long as it doesn't like detract from my personal relationships or detract from my own relationship to myself or right. take too much time. Um, and I'm also like, polyamorous in my in my actual life as well it's a similar thing where you have to really negotiate boundaries in a relationship of like okay are we going to be romantically involved or just sexually involved Mm -hmm. um I think that sort of long-term client relationships as well can can take on they can almost resemble personal relationships I think that there are other performers who draw very strict boundaries between those things. I find that that's just not how my brain works and it's not not how my heart works. And mm-hmm. so I do have to work on like staking out time for myself, staking out emotional space for myself um, because my impulse is to just to just try to heal people whenever I, I know. I, I know what that's like. I'm half Canadian, you know, like I, I, I have that in me too. And it can eat up a lot of your time when you are live on cam and someone starts pouring their heart out. I mean, it, it's, it can be such a beautiful and such a rewarding thing, but also like if it starts stepping in the way of other people that, you know, might actually be tipping and, and, you know, making it worth my time in other ways, like, how do you handle that? If someone say is just oversharing to the point where it's like, you've taken a lot of my time and I need to move on. Yeah. Ideally, I will just kind of say that, you know, or they're, they're smart enough to recognize it. So I've definitely been like, someone's been in my private message and then somebody else is tipping me and then I'm moaning and rubbing my pussy while you're telling me this tragic story and I hate that I hate that for you I hate that for me but like we are on a can site I am not your therapist and I I do think that um yeah that's that's challenging but ideally it's done through social cues but if I have to just straight up say like hang on I can't talk right now I need to be making this money typically people understand. I've never had somebody get furious at me for imposing a boundary. So. Right. Well, lucky, lucky, right? Cause that's I such think, a reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, such a reality. Uh, but learning, learning as we go and, and constantly learning uh, how to better our experience in this business. Uh, I, I remember first learning about the, the temporary reality of whales. You know, the fact that someone might come in and drop a shit ton of money to hang out with you and you can't get too comfortable with it because they're gone the next day. You know, like that was a lesson that I remember learning and it left a bit of a 
you know, a bitter taste in my mouth. I was like, well, fuck that person. But like, that's a reality. They come and they go. Was there a lesson that you learned that was, you know, quite memorable to you? That is a really excellent question. Like I was getting comfy with this person who would come in and their biggest thing was just tell me how much you want and I'll keep sending it. I'll keep sending it. And then they vanished. And I mean, it's such a preliminary, you know, lesson to learn. Like you really, you can't get comfy with that because it's temporary. It's not, it's not a forever deal. It's, you know, comes and goes. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm, I'm trying to think, I haven't had an experience exactly like that, but I have, let's see, I can, I can actually think of a couple lessons that I've learned. It's always interesting as soon as you build a, like more than one session relationship with somebody to see how that's going to go, to see what they expect of you for Mm. free versus what they're going to pay for. And then like you having to remind them that this is a transaction still, like that's, that can, that's always the gray area. Yeah. You know, is like, how much am I going to talk to you to negotiate this thing? And so I had one client, for example, who um, started out really consistent and he was paying a pretty high rate for private shows. Um, And I, you know, to be honest, I was disgusted with him. I didn't like, I didn't like the things he wanted me to do. I didn't like the way he talked to me, but I was like, whatever, like this money is worth it. Um, And then as time went on, I noticed that there were more and more instances where he would message me initially and be like, okay, let's do a show. And I'd be like, okay, Mm -hmm. do a little bit of sexting beforehand. And then all of a sudden, oh, the show's not going to happen because he's got to go or I've got to go. And I realized I've wasted 45 minutes. Um, And once that happened two or three times, I said to this person, Hey, like you, you haven't sent me money in months. Stop, stop messaging me. Like, Um, and then that, that definitely garnered a negative reaction. And then I just blocked that person and I felt it immediately so much better. I was like, okay, I don't have to be in these kind of scenarios that make me uncomfortable anymore. Plus, you know, I'm not going to waste so much time talking to this person. Right. But like, sometimes as that arrangement is being carried out, you almost, you have to be aware of it the whole way through. Like, are you being compensated for this interaction? Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy in the casualness of, you know, getting to know one of these clients and, you know, what they expect. It's very easy to just forget, hey, did they pay me for this or did they not pay me for this yet? And it's like, you got to stand your ground on that shit or they will take advantage. Some people will, not everybody, but some people will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's also like, I don't, I never want my clients to feel like everything is 100% only about the money because no one wants, no one wants no. to feel that way. Um, and so, and like the truth is, you know, it is about the money, but it's also about the care. It's mm-hmm. also about the healing. It's also about sometimes just making you come like, it's both of those things are important to me. I don't, I just, I don't want to just take your money and leave you with a shit time. I want to take your money and enrich you Yeah. and potentially change your life, you know, (laughs) with, with my magical pussy. Yes. Oh, it is. It is magical. You know, it it is magical truly. Uh, So how has it enriched your life then? You want to enrich their lives. How has being in this position enriched your life? Well, first financially, clearly, Mm -hmm. um, 
when I started cam, I was worried about getting evicted from my apartment. I was that broke. I was, my bank account was in the neg. And now I have a savings account. And now I have the security of knowing that like, I'm not going to be thrown out at the streets at moment's notice. Uh, and just that alone is a life changer. Knowing that like, I will always have cam and sex work as a source of income. It'll always be there if I want it. You know, I could take a break. I don't want to, but I could and still come back and it will still be there. And having that security is really unlike any industry. Yeah any industry um and so yeah i think that that's that's one way it's enriched my life is that i just no longer have the sort of fear and you know coming from the background that i do i don't really have the financial security net that other people my age might have yeah. um i don't have parents that are gonna gonna swoop in and send me money when i'm in a, in a tough situation and so i think that for uh, for other people who don't necessarily have the like familial safety net yeah. or other safety nets, sex work is a great safety net if yeah. if it's for you. Because some people just can't do it, and that's okay for them, you know. But yeah, and and you you have a good you have a balance, right? Because you've got pillow princess, but then you've got the other side of your life, which is fiance. Uh, you know, good polyamorous circle with you, I would imagine. Oh, so uh, how do you how do you keep that in balance? Because like, I'm a workaholic. So for me, I'm addicted to just pumping out deliverables. I'm like, I, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. And I'll get carried away with it. And in this business, it can be challenging because it's very easy to just turn on your camera and fucking let her rip, you know? So how do you keep the balance in check? Um, so in my, in my other life, I'm also in graduate school, uh, and I'm working real hard to, to get a doctor in front of my name, Woo, <laughs> like yeah. doctor pillow princess. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been working at that my whole life, really <laughs> since the time I walked into a school, I've been working at that. And so, um, having, having that, that just means so much to me um, is a huge, is a huge balance. It's the only reason I don't cam full-time and do sex work full-time is, you know, because I have this other dream. But, um, as I think I've mentioned to you before, I think during the last, the last happy hour podcast, podcast hangover podcast, hangover yeah. podcast. Yeah. I do also write about sex work in my research. Um, and I write about, uh, queer and feminist social movements, like, mm that's my interest. And so that intersects so nicely with this industry um, that, that it balances nicely. Yeah. And on that venture, what do you, what do you hope to do with your writings? I mean, look, I, I also am one of those wildly ambitious folks that is like, I want to be here to destigmatize this shit just in the public sphere. There is no reason why people in this business, anyone under the sex work umbrella should feel quiet about what they do. Like it just, it fucking kills me every step of the day. Like it really, it, it does. But what's your, what's your impact you hope to make with say your writing in particular? Um, I hope to always be an academic. Mm. Um, I love, I love it for so many reasons. I decided on it as a career long ago, but 
being in those spaces where, um, especially in the liberal arts, where there's a lot of idealization of social justice and progress, uh, feminist issues, queer issues, racial issues, class issues, all of that. There's a lot of focus there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been interested in, in that kind of stuff, but always wondered like, where can I make my own uh, kind of like unique impact or like, what is this discourse missing? Yeah. And I found that like sex work just kind of intrinsically interested me, but even, even in these relatively open spaces, sex was still something seen as unprofessional or taboo. Mm-hmm. And I thought the, the exact norms that are making sex work marginal, that are making like a discussion of sexuality marginal at all, these are colonial white supremacist norms. Yeah. These are these are patriarchal norms, um, and so it's it it is a risk, honestly. Like I've talked to my advisor and I've talked to other academics about my my dissertation, which is going to be very focused on sexuality. It's going to definitely have a chapter about sex work. Um, there are certain sacrifices and risks that I take. I'm never going to get a job at a Christian university, dear God. No, but I don't want a job. I was going to say, like, do you want to be in the puritanical chokehold of that? No, <laughs> no. Um, and so I'm trying to, I'm trying to push the envelope. And I think that as even though there's sometimes fear around that and like how it's going to work out for me later in life, there's also a lot of hope, and I draw a lot of courage from it. Because I think that um, like the way things are going, I really hope that someday, even if I wanted to be completely out as a sex worker and a professor, that that would be okay. I want that to be the academic world that I leave behind when I retire, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Thank you. (laughs) Beautifully said. And, and I, I want to see it happen. You know, I, I, I do too. I think in our lifetime, we will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is going to be about being constant on the, the front line, constant to, to keep the conversation moving forward as opposed to, you know, depictions in the media drowning us out or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a long battle, but uh, I'm here with you. Let's do it. Let's do it, Laura. I think we're already doing great. I think that your your podcast is great. Um, so the a little nerdy academic fact, but the word pornography, the Greek root of it is porning, which means the writings of prostitutes. Wow. And so if you think about what we're doing right now, isn't this the, I mean, not writings, but a, an auditory medium. Yeah. If you think about the writings that I am doing, even if they're published in academic journals, yeah. are they not also somewhat pornographic? Um, and if, if you think about porn that way, rather than just kind of this very simplified and very demonized thing, I think that it can be really transformative. I think it can be super transformative. And I mean, it's going to be a hard thing to try and get people to focus on because their dicks are in their hand while they're interacting with it. But, you know, maybe we'll tie them up and bound them and, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, there's a way to make this happen. Okay. We'll regroup in a private setting and fucking get it sorted. Okay. 
that sounds good that sounds like a viable strategy for political change yeah see okay this this sounds i mean it's a little on the lines of like a valerie solanus approach but it's okay you know we will update the scum manifesto to be a little bit more loving but i'm here for it uh so for people that are now going how the hell do i get in touch and learn more about pillow princess uh what's the contact info the contact info so cam for of course my page pillow princess that's where you get the juicy content that's where you get the calendar of my shows and so if you want to come talk to me actually live that's the best way to do it um if you are too shy and you just want to lurk you can go to my twitter which is at princess pillow um pillow spelled p-i-l-o for those of you just listening um and and that's where you can find more content you can hit the little all my links and that'll give you other platforms but but cam4 is primarily my platform and and i i invite you one and all if you want to talk to me about academics that's fine if you want to talk to me about my magical pussy that's fine do you also have a regressive upbringing are you also a sad queer me too be my friend <laughs> join me thank you so much for your time today this was wonderful and uh yeah i i can't wait to see your legacy continue to unfold Thank, Thank you. you Laura. Thank you for having me and inviting me. You are seriously a mentor to me. You are seriously like since I met you last year, you've been one of the people I have trusted most to go to with questions. Um, and so I really thank you for your your service your i got you i got <laughs> you the cause Colin. i got you and you know that you can always come knocking on this door so uh yeah until our next fabulous discussion thank you for uh, joining me here on licked and loaded i hope all of you listening had a good time remember to like favorite and subscribe to this channel so you never miss an episode we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>